As we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Let your word, O God, break open our hearts this day through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we may enter into the coming Holy Week with the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Amen. Here's a tweet uh, that I know I have shared before, but I'm going to share it again. It's a woman who tweeted, at the risk of sounding like a liturgical snob, I fear for churches who never make time or hold space for the dark. Christmas without Advent, Easter without Lent, resurrection without the Passion. From celebration to celebration, this is not the Christian way. This tweet sums up this week, this holy week perfectly. It would be easy to move from celebration to celebration this week, to wave the palm branches, to feel the excitement, to celebrate Jesus, and then to leave, to go home, to return next Sunday to celebrate Jesus again. But as our third and fourth graders remind us, this week begins with such excitement, energy, and hope but it ends suddenly, and it is so very sad. This is a holy week for us as disciples of Jesus Christ precisely because it holds it all. The joy, the hope, the excitement, the celebration, as well as the pain, the hurt, the fear, the unknown. It holds life and death. It's a roller coaster of up and down emotions. It is a week where everything falls apart, and we aren't certain if we can put it back together again. I was talking to one of you the evening I received the news of Rick Kohler's passing, and during the conversation, the person speaking to me in their grief and their shock and their sadness, they said this. It never stops, does it? I said, no. Life and death never ends. This cycle of life and death does not end. This roller coaster of emotions, of joy, of hope, of excitement, of life, of the pain and hurt and fear, the unknowns of life, it never ends. Life holds it all. So, of course, our story of faith holds it all. This is part of our faith story, but it is also the good news of our faith story, right? Death is a part of our days, but new life is constantly being birthed among us. We hold all of it. That is what makes Holy Week so holy. It holds all of it. Today we move into Holy Week, and as the church moves into the days of Holy Week, we will walk the journey that helps us understand what it means to live a life following God's will. We walk the way of the cross with Jesus to know what it means to be his disciples, to take up the cross, to follow him in his faithful footsteps. We see that 
discipleship is not about some abstract, disconnected set of beliefs, but discipleship is about, as one preacher put it, faithful living as we attempt to embody in our earthly human lives the divine mystery of the God who refused to be God without us. You know, when we began this Lenten season, this embodied faith Lenten series, we started by naming the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. We said Jesus was no disembodied spirit fluttering above human life. In the incarnation, God and Jesus chose to enter human life. And Jesus, in his life, cared about real people, who were caught in real earthly human binds. Jesus intruded into the full human tragic condition. Jesus' life held all of it, all that our life holds. And in Jesus, with his life, we see a new way to live, to hold life, to enter into death and new life. Jesus brought a message addressed to real people and their real problems. And he fully embodied this message with his life in this real world. Jesus practiced embodied faith by choosing us. Jesus chooses us. God with us in order to be God for us. This week we experience the cost of embodied faith. This week we meet Jesus in the garden pouring out his fear and his pain saying, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. We move into Holy Week, and as the church moves into the days of Holy Week, we will walk the journey that helps us understand what it means to live a life following God's will. We walk the way of the cross with Jesus to know what it means to be his disciples, to take up the cross, to follow in his faithful footsteps, to practice embodied faith. And walking the way of the cross means we cannot move from celebration to celebration. This is not the Christian way because this is not how life works. As one of my clergy friends said, there's no resurrections without crucifixions. Holy Week reminds us that we cannot truly rejoice at the resurrection until we have truly grieved at the cross, and we cannot truly grieve at the cross unless we come as those with the hope of resurrection. So I hope that you are able to join us to be present for the opportunities offered during this Holy Week our Monday Thursday dinner church stripping of the sanctuary and our Good Friday prayer and picnic. But if not, um, today, hear the story. Listen as it all falls apart. Now the festival of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was near. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put Jesus to death, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers of the temple police about how he might betray him to them. They were greatly pleased and agreed to give him money. 
So he consented and began to look for an opportunity to betray him to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us that we may eat it. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant of the blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be and who would do this. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back and strengthened your brothers, and he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. 
But Peter was following at a distance when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else, on seeing him, said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting. Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem, at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him and he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. 
Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urging, demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land, until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Let us pray. 